2: Welcome into Friday, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, hope you're doing all right. Ready to get into the weekend. We are busy today. We'll spend some time with Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal stars, hit some uh, Husker football thoughts and recruiting. And uh, in our two, Bill Dolman, Friday Fairberry, going to be with us. Jay Moore will check in. And then the time Barry Switzer went to the Kentucky Derby. Story time with Coach Switzer. That is coming up at 540. You're welcome to join us. Open phones here the next 20 minutes or so. 466-3776-466-3776. 825 5865 Find us on Twitter. Give us a follow. Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio or Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence. And uh, give us an email. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So as we kind of inch closer to that mandatory workout window for a lot of college football programs, more and more programs are, are dialing back the voluntary part because of positive COVID testing. This story out a little bit earlier before we get into Bill Bender's latest posting, on the top 25 college football programs the last 10 years. We spoke with Bill yesterday. It was great to have him on. And Nebraska does not make the cut. We will dive into that a little bit deeper. But how does it grab you here that Nebraska is choosing not to say anything publicly about the COVID-19 testing results? You have Nebraska officials say only that they're required to report any positive COVID tests to Lincoln-Lancaster County Health Department, which says it can't release any information about what the university has reported because of privacy requirements. So does that, listen, you see what's been brought out at Clemson, you see what's going on at LSU, Boise, Kansas State. There's going to be positive infections, would you like to know? As a Nebraska fan, not necessarily the who, but just the number. And if Nebraska is going to handle it that way, that's kind of their prerogative, their business. Uh, I really honestly applaud what I'm seeing out and about locally. And the thought that is, if you want college football season, you'll wear a mask. If you're not a mask wearer, I'm not going to degrade you. It's okay. But I don't know. I guess I don't fear a, a, a rampant spike at Nebraska per se because we're not going to know, <laughs> I guess, right? I mean, Nebraska could be very similar to, to, to Kansas State. Nebraska could be similar to, 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 to what Boise is going through. Nebraska could also be similar to some of the programs like Iowa State, where there's a handful of kids that have tested positive. But overall, when they look at the athletic department, most people are fine right now.
0: I mean, Lincoln itself hasn't been a hotbed for COVID by any means.
2: No. No. Why is that? People are masking up. People are socially distancing. I think people are being respectful.
0: And when we get back into Nebraska releasing the numbers, as a fan, do I want to know? Yeah, but I don't think I have the right to know. I don't think it's it's. Mm-hmm. As, I'm, a, I'm a fan. i no more than that. It's uh, it, it is invading invading upon people's privacy. Mm-hmm. Even if you're getting oh, I mean, you, look what's going to happen on social media. People are going to say oh, why are these kids out partying and doing irresponsible things and catching COVID? Where it, it might not even be their fault if they catch COVID. So I don't think that we should have the right to even know. Um, but I I do think we should know if
2: it becomes a problem. It, yeah, if there's a major spike in a. Conglomeration of positive cases down on down on campus. I need to know, man. Yeah. Not that I'm down there a lot, but hopefully in the near future we're we're able to uh, to cover things. Mm. Uh, you have Nebraska's policy here upon arrival. Yet all athletes were tested and put in a minimum 48 hour quarantine, uh, and they're making student athletes comfortable. I'm for that. If these kids are coming back to do the the voluntary side of things, when they're here to work out and, and kind of try and prepare for a season, right, that we hope happens. Uh, I'm okay with them and their privacy. I'm not, I'm not really hung up on it. I guess it's, I don't think and look at Nebraska as hiding anything. That's not how I'm looking at it. I think that they're in great communication with UNMC, and if this is how they want to go about it, this is how they're going to go about it.
0: I, yeah. Again, I, just like you said, I don't think it's hiding. It's it's more protecting. And if it becomes a problem, then I fully expect to know, as I said just now. But, I mean, you don't want to be that negative news story. Clemson became that negative news story pretty quickly when you hear, oh, man, these 20-plus guys have tested positive for COVID. Well, it's, it's 28
2: they, members of the athletic department as, as a whole. The initial report, which was unconfirmed, I
0: think, was mm-hmm. that 23 football players had it, which I think is still unconfirmed at this point. Clemson well, never announced. But still, it, it that quickly became a negative news story. Oh, well, at LSU,
2: I mean, 30 guys on the team, that's reported mm-hmm. because dudes went out to the bars. Now, it could be one guy, it could be five players, it could be staff members, who knows?
0: Yeah, and that, that's my problem with I don't think you want to announce everybody, because it could be, maybe you do have one bad apple who's gone and spread it to 25 people, 30 people. Well, it's not <laughs> and like and it's an it's,
2: intentional spread. Yeah, it, it's not
0: indicative of the program, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's indicative of what the the athletic staff is doing down there, so why do you want to... What's the point, I guess, of releasing those five people, ten people who caught it whenever it's only going to reflect poorly upon the university? And it's, I shouldn't say unpreventable, but it's something that just is happening. This is the world, the country we're living in right now.
2: It, it could happen. Um, a spike could happen in Lincoln, but I'm, I'm kind of monitoring what, what are the numbers looking like in Lincoln and Lancaster County. Are guys out and about? Are they being safe if they're out and about? we'll talk to parker about this cuz he quote tweeted something that kind of blew me away yesterday and that's the fact that there's been no testing by south dakota state wow they're on the schedule and if we all play what are we what are we going to bring to to lincoln when you visit mm-hmm. and it comes down to financial and state mandates with South Dakota State, let's get into uh, sporting news and ranking the top twenty-five programs in the last ten years. Your usual suspects are on here, right? Nebraska does not make the cut. A couple of questions I have, and here's how Bill went about tallying the the rankings. You get a ten points for national championships, five points for a national title game appearance, and when it comes to Playoff appearances, did you make a Final Four? That's worth five points. Did you get to a New Year's Day six? BCS, that's three points. Did you have a Heisman winner? That's two points. Your top three, say it with me. Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma in at four. LSU, a phenomenal year. Jumps him to five. Florida State is in at six, and they were really good for the majority of the Jimbo years. Oregon, despite some coaching change, they were phenomenal with Coach Kelly. Helfrich had a couple of nice seasons. And then Cristobal was was dynamite. Wisconsin's the second best Big Ten team in at eight. Wisconsin's been pretty dominant. I mean, they are gold for ten wins. <laughs> ten, ten, eleven wins a year in a, in a, in a way to, to win the West.
0: Hey, Wisconsin coming in at eight is surprising when you look at the team below them. But you got to think, Wisconsin does win 10 games a year it's consistency thing Georgia comes in at nine right after them and Georgia's had a a phenomenal last five years but Wisconsin's just been solid for 10.
2: I'll say this and I look at Georgia right and and Wisconsin Wisconsin's done what Georgia hasn't I should say Wisconsin's not done what what Georgia has Georgia's gotten to a championship game Mm -hmm. Georgia's gotten to a college football playoff Georgia's put a bunch of dudes in the NFL that are carrying the football yeah and offensive line and skill guys but Wisconsin's gone to a Rose Bowl, all right, or they've gone to a New Year's Day six. They are, they are on that verge, aren't they, of, of getting to a playoff. They've been good enough for a playoff. They were a damn fine playoff team last year until they lost at Illinois. I would have not been shocked to see them get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the game against the Rose Bowl, they had it, and then they fumbled it away against Oregon. I mean, they lost by a point to, to Oregon last year in the Rose Bowl. I think Wisconsin ended up with four or five losses, lost to Ohio State twice. Okay.
0: What stands out about Wisconsin, I mean, last year and the past 10 years altogether, is they're never a team that you want to have on the schedule. No. Never a team you want to have on the schedule. I think that's what should put them in the top 10. Is And, and, they've, yeah. and
2: they've gotten better at not only Barry's scheduled, some good non-conference games, but they've won some of those games. Playing well and beating LSU at Lambeau was kind of a nice jump. They've played Alabama, okay? And they've won some of their bowl games against the SEC. They've turned that corner against SEC competition. When they face them, they're at least competitive, and they're, they're not going to get beat by the, the token 14 to 17 points. They've won some of those games. So Wisconsin comes in over Georgia. Uh, a little more flash. I'll say this. Georgia's probably underachieved. I mean, the fact they've had one national championship since 1980 is ridiculous. And they always would stumble against Florida or they'll get beat by Tennessee. And then they'll end up in a Gator Bowl versus a New Year's Day six. They've been better at going to the Sugar Bowl type games or the Fiesta Bowls, okay, or the Orange Bowls. That New Year's Day six rotation the last several years since uh, Kirby's been down there, but under Ricked. I mean they were they were always trying to be better but they were they were your token 9 and 3 loaded NFL talent squad and you scratch your head about three or four losses on the season. I mean in in like pound for pound I remember the Nebraska game where Nebraska beat them down in the Gator Bowl. Down in the Gator Bowl, right? And Nebraska had some dudes. They had a they had a really good squad that year. But it was still okay kind of a a consolation appearance compared to what your aspirations were. That year, Nebraska was was poised to kind of break through. They didn't end up getting to a, a Big Ten championship game. Same with Georgia. So your second or or you know third place team in the league ends up down in the Gator Bowl, and you know Nebraska beat a team with with Nick Chubb on it, <laughs> and, and and found a way. But Georgia's good enough to be in a, a ten and two type year every year, but they don't. They don't make it happen. Uh, Auburn just rounds out your top 10. There's been more feast than famine at Auburn. They only had the one really bad step back year with Chiswick. There's been a couple of eight and fours from Alzon. But what's funny is the year that Central Florida beat Auburn, really good Auburn team, really awesome Central Florida team. So Auburn finishes that year, I think, eight and four. But, but Auburn still beat Georgia and Alabama in the same year. So that's the the caliber of of that that Auburn program. They'll they'll get a couple big wins a year, but they'll have a tough schedule. Stanford in at eleven. There were some really great years with Harbaugh at Stanford. There were some really good years with David Shaw. Up until pretty much Christian McCaffrey moved on, right, right. I mean, we're talking what three years ago Mm -hmm. with Mac. So Stanford's trying to rekindle it. You know, Brian Kelly had one four and eight season. As Notre Dame comes in at number number twelve, and Florida in at thirteen. Sparty had a great two thousand ten to two thousand sixteen. Then they've kind of fallen off. Boise's in at fifteen. Okie State at sixteen. Michigan in at at seventeen, and Michigan's 38 and 26 over the last five years. He's 47 and 18, and and he's pushed that program up. They just can't beat Ohio State. I'm going to switch it to Nebraska here. Where do you think Nebraska comes in? Let's zoom out. They don't make the top 25. Where does Nebraska come in? Where would you where would you rank Nebraska in the decade?
0: Well, I, on this list, I see Texas at 25. Mm-hmm. And within the past decade, Texas has been above Nebraska.
2: That's, yeah.
0: Pretty, I mean, it's not... They've,
2: they've, they've not had a bull drought, okay.
0: Uh, it's not incontestable, but it's pretty clear, I think, that Texas is above Nebraska. So Texas at 25... Uh, Would you put Nebraska
2: 30s? I'd probably go with the 35 to 45 range. That's fair. And if you look at 2010 to 2014, that five-year span, Nebraska was 47 and 20. They were finishing routinely in the top 25, or they were just on the outside looking in with either a 10 and 4 or a 9 and 4 season. But once 2015 hit, you go sick. Nebraska's had one winning season in the last five years. 6 and 7 9 and 4 4 and 8 4 and 8 5 and 7. That absolutely sinks you. Miami sneaks in just in at 24, I think. Yeah, and the, what, what And it comes down there, to their draft picks. I was going to say is that they've had a lot of first round draft picks within the yeah. past 10 years. That's cr- that's criminal to have. I look at Georgia and I look at Miami and I look at USC, more so Georgia and Miami with all the dudes going to the league. And you can't win with them. I don't get that. I don't get how you don't win with that talent. And that's my, my
0: small gripe with this list, is that there is, I mean, yeah, NFL draft talent is important, but there's guys that don't succeed in college that just have the measurables that are going to go on the
2: draft. Well, or or that's what's more important to yeah. them, is to go play pro ball. So, teams that were candidates to be in the top 25, as I see it, that didn't make it. The others receiving votes. The others receiving <laughs> votes here. TCU has had a pretty decent decade under under Gary Patterson. Nebraska I just laid out their case uh, but I mean 28 and 33 over the last five years is is sub 500 UCLA with uh, with Jim Mora was was pretty good for a stretch Tennessee they've been all over the map they're trying to climb back uh, uh, and then you have South Carolina I hate to say it but Iowa I have Iowa, I have Iowa and Minnesota. Iowa's had probably, I, have a, I have Iowa and Minnesota. I mean, Iowa's probably had the best
0: decade in their existence.
2: Mm, they were pretty good in the mid-80s. It's arguable, but you know what I'm saying. And it's, they were pretty good in the, the mid-2003 two, like 2003 to 5-ish. I, I think Iowa's been better than Texas in this past decade. I, I agree with you. And when Jerry Kill got to Minnesota, they were good. They were good. Parker Gabriel's coming up. Hope your Friday's going well. Hail Varsity continues. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: Back, fellas. So, Think we could listen to the radio? Listen
2: on Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Back with you on a Friday, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Our conversation with Barry Switzer a little out, a little bit more than an hour from now. We say hi to Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal Star at Husker Extra PG. Parker, what's up, man? How are you? I'm
3: doing well. How are you guys
2: doing? We're doing okay. Uh, level of wow factor for you when you read and found out that South Dakota State has not been testing for the coronavirus?
3: Yeah, you know, um, there, there, it definitely I think it just sort of puts things into perspective, right, about the all of the complexities. I can't say that I was shocked. I mean, I was surprised.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But I think that you know, we, we've talked for a long time about the um financial disparities between um, even the top of the power five and the bottom or the group of five schools. And then from, you know, especially from the big 10 to the Missouri Valley. Mm -hmm. And and this is, I think, and, and, and Justin Sell, the athletic director of South coast state didn't go deep into the details, although he did mention the financial impact, um, you know, to Dennis Dodd and that CBS story. But that to me is, it's just another uh indicator of of the you know financial realities of this thing and and of all uh, the complications that are going to spring up in terms of trying to trying to play football this fall yeah.
2: uh, are tests still between god what is it i mean this is like months ago I heard a test between a hundred and two hundred and fifty dollars. I'm sure it varies but even if you, get a, yeah, I mean, if you get a bargain, air quote, bargain deal for 150 guys or 120 guys, that's just for one football team, let alone the rest of your athletic uh, department and, and all the teams in your athletic department. That, that's, that's, that's expensive, it, but it's, it's it necessary, is. you know?
3: It is, I, I, yeah, and I think a lot of people out there think that it is necessary. It's interesting, you know, there's some different ways you can do it. It's hard with a, a group the size of a football team. There are some group tests you can do that, that are not as expensive, where um, you test five guys and, um, you know, you sort of bulk the results. And for, I don't know enough about it, I'm obviously not yeah. in the medical field, but it, it reduces the uh, cost of, of the tests themselves. And then if, if you come back clean in that group of five, then those guys are good. Um, and if you get one positive in that group, then you either you know, test those individuals only or you quarantine the five or whatever. And Mm -hmm. so there's some different ways to go about um, the testing. Obviously, you know, you need to have it be a reliable, um, a reliable test. But then, uh, you know, the other part of it is, and I, I think where you want to be fair to South Dakota State or anybody out there is that it is different in June than September simply from the perspective of are they going to be able to play or not? Obviously, you know, if you're a a player or a parent or, you know, you live in Brookings or whatever, Mm -hmm. you you might be or you might not be worried about the fact that they're not testing at all. But in terms of playing, you could theoretically test, you know, testing positive or negative right now. South Dakota State could be testing three times a week. And whether they have positive cases – you know, in, in late June really has no bearing on whether it's going to be safe for them to play football in September or not. So, you know, it could be that they're going to test in uh, mid-August or whatever, um, but certainly it's a, it's something – I think it's just brought to the forefront the, the sort of click of like, oh, yeah, right, non-conference play. This is one of the many reasons why that's going to be, you know, complicated to figure out.
2: Complicated is the word because, you know, two weeks ago – I felt great about football happening, the full schedule. The spikes have happened in a ton of different parts of the United States. Nebraska's still relatively pretty good. Uh, the news out that Nebraska not sharing their information on positive tests, but I don't think they're hiding anything. I think it's more about privacy for their student athletes. So I'm okay not having broadcast who's got what or what team tested positive or what percentage even though, you know, the talk has been look at LSU's roster, look at Clemson, look at K-State. That was that was publicized and it kind of causes a little bit of panic, but I think Nebraska has got a handle on things Parker with with their connection with UNMC and the folks running the athletic side of things down at, down at Memorial Stadium. Uh, I want to ask you about Ezra Miller and can you kind of put into a, a projection mode here what do you think Nebraska is getting in Miller I know about his measurables I know about his rating out of high school and I know what like the ceiling can be for him but as far as the fit and the pickup for Nebraska and this new route they've kind of gone with with uh, with transfer kids that, that have already gotten a little bit of division one seasoning
3: yeah so I think with Ezra Miller you know it is at this point like it is with a lot of young linemen it is to a large degree, about the projection and about the frame and all of that, but when you're six six and three ten, and you've got some athleticism, um, you know that's obviously a promising starting point. And I think, you know, he was in Iowa's uh, 2019 class, and anytime, you know, like last year when um, Travis Vokalek, the tight end yeah. from Rutgers, um, when he transferred, there's some schools and some positions um, where if someone is recruiting him hard at that position, um, you can tell sometimes by the track record, um, you know, that there's some, some promise there. Nebraska is like that with, with quarterbacks, right? A lot of times if Nebraska offers a quarterback, you'll see other teams offer. And that's because of the reputation that, that Mario Berdusco and Scott Frost have in that department. I mean, with Iowa, um, it was, it was a tight end last year in Travis vocal that they they were recruiting and Nebraska is recruiting too. And, and, and offensive line, you know, if you have an offensive lineman that Iowa wants or Wisconsin wants or Michigan wants, I mean, those are schools in the Big Ten that have a long track record of, of developing linemen, um, offensive linemen. And so, you know, I think it's a guy who, who Iowa is obviously high on. Um, he struggled and he's, he's somewhat open about it um, last month with, um, you know, anxiety and depression mm-hmm. while he was there. And so, first and foremost, you know, it's, it's important for anyone um, to, to feel comfortable and, and feel like they're a good fit, and, and there's obviously some limitations with the pandemic on how far you can go in that conversation sure. at this point, but um, Ezra Miller clearly felt comfortable um, you know, with the fit at Nebraska, and so we'll just sort of see, but he's just another guy you throw into a young, uh, you know, they've got, they've got some seniors now on the offensive line this year, but in, into a young core for the future, um, and a guy that you could be playing, you know, tackle or guard somewhere down the way.
2: Could he get a waiver? I mean, or what, what's your, your read on eligibility versus the, 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 the sit out? And you can make, there's different cases for different kids, but there's pretty clear case here for, for Ezra. He detailed it on his own social the media account, all the things he went through.
3: Yeah. Um, you know, it's pot I think. The interesting thing is that you know Nebraska hasn't always categorically decided to even pursue a waiver. You know, I mean, I think um, I don't know for sure uh, what their plan is with uh, Nori Nuelli, the other mm-hmm. uh, Division One transfer walk-on linemen they have coming in. I mean, I think you you know you can you could cite just some facts that that Ezra Miller left Iowa um, for the reasons that he did and. And Lincoln is actually closer to his hometown than Iowa City. I mean, that's that's just a geographical fact. Whether um, that is uh, enough, or whether Nebraska feels like they want him, you know, to apply for a waiver, it's possible. Um, you know, that they feel like uh, a year. Now, granted, he's already used his redshirt year, so you know, you might just apply for one out of principle, um, but. You know, that remains to be seen. You never know how the NCAA is going to react to those things or what the rationale behind it will be. But it will be interesting to see if Nebraska um, pursues one for Ezra Miller.
0: Parker Gabriel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Parker, you mentioned Travis Vokalek a few minutes ago. Uh, he was Nebraska's big name, uh, Big Ten transfer, I guess, last year. Can you speak a little bit about the development he made during his year of sitting out? And is he going to have a piece in this offense next year?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Scott Frost said, um, gosh, one of the times, uh, he's talked in the past few months. I think maybe it was on signing day, or perhaps at the beginning of spring ball. Um, he said, "You know, redshirt years. Guys get out of redshirt years what they put into them. Um, and sometimes, you know, guys don't put everything they've got into them because they know they're not playing. That wasn't the case, is what you know that what what Frost sort of indicated with Travis Vocal. I said he worked really hard, uh, picked up the offense. I mean, look, he's a guy who is six foot six and two hundred and fifty pounds, and and was." maybe the best receiving threat that rutgers had in in 2018 so um you know that's i think there's high hopes for him i know i'm very intrigued by what um he brings to the offense you have to see it obviously um the tight end position hasn't been as involved the past two years as as anybody you know nebraska's coaches or i'm sure the tight ends themselves uh would want in an ideal world so um, we'll see. I'm, uh, there's there's people in the program that that thinking off a lot of, of Travis Boculich, and then at the same time you've got another you know you've got a senior in that room in Jack Stoll, and a couple of juniors in Austin Allen and Kurt Rastall who both played quite a bit too. So a lot of competition in that room, and and but I do think that Travis Boculich will uh, factor squarely in the competition for playing time there.
2: Parker Gabriel's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Lincoln Journal Star. Parker, about a minute and a half here. Uh, what's your reaction to Nebraska's 2021 recruiting efforts uh, now that we have a third extension on the, the dead period, Nebraska getting a talented running back earlier, and you had a nice write-up on Malik Williams. What do you think Nebraska, uh, has? have they surprised you with how well they've done despite no visits?
3: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, obviously there's some guys that have had connections. You know, Sean Hardy, the wide receiver from Georgia, had made it to campus. Um, some of the guys who committed had, but I think they're up to – Four now, mm-hmm. four out of ten, that hadn't been to campus in, oh, I don't know if I can name them off the top of my head, Bryson, uh, uh, Branson Yeager, Patrick Payton, um, and a couple of other guys, well, including Gabe Urban, who just mm-hmm. committed the other day. So, um, that you know, I, I think they are doing well. It's interesting. Scott Frost said on that Zoom call with reporters a couple of weeks ago last week that um, he thought that not having visits was hurting Nebraska and recruiting but obviously, you know, they're up to 10 commits so far. Um, there's possibility for more action over the next week or 10 days. And so um, they're still getting verbal commitments from players they like. And it will be interesting to see, um, first of all, one, if anybody's going to be able to take visits this fall, and two, um, if Nebraska can do, do more damage um, if those visits are allowed to
2: happen. Parker Gabriel, give him a follow on Twitter at HuskerExtraPG with the Journal Star. Parker, thanks for a few minutes, man. Uh, Have a great weekend and stay safe, okay?
3: Yeah, thanks. Same to you guys.
2: All right. Parker Gabriel, a few minutes with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Good to get caught up with him. Kind of going around the uh, football merry-go-round. Bill Dolman will be with us in 25 minutes. The pride of Fairbury. A lot to get to with him. Uh, we'll dive into some uh, Major League Baseball thoughts and uh, the NBA. What's their next move? Hail varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a tot. Preteen Swedish boy.
2: Thanks for hanging out, Hail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Reminder about your friends at West Blue Realty. If you're moving in 2020, let the real estate professionals at West Blue Realty uh, help you move today. They specialize in residential. Home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. They'll make this move a smooth one for you for a limited time. You mentioned Hale Varsity and West Blue Realty can help you with up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby, the man with the plan. He can help you out. Give Tom a shout. 402-540-3768. Or Kelly Hofschneider. Kelly's there to take the phone call at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue. WestBlueRealty.com, 1120 K Street, Suite 200 in Lincoln. Love this uh, topic, buy or sell, right? Hail Varsity's going down the list. Good stuff with uh, Brandon Vogel and Dr. Petey. And you can go through everybody in the Big Ten and circle who's going to have a better 2020 versus 2019. And, you know, the the first team on the list is one of those kind of coin flip squads where Indiana football did things they've not done in a long, long time, damn near 30 years. And they went eight and four last year, went to a bowl game. Will they be better in 2020? Are you buying or selling that? Nebraska has not made the, the, the discussion point yet, but... There's been a discussion on on Maryland and Indiana, Michigan, Sparty, and then Ohio State. Let's turn our attention to what Penn State has in store for them in 2020. So is Penn State going to be a squad that finishes in the top 10, wins 11 ball games, and loses to Ohio State for a third consecutive season? That sounds to me. Like, yeah, that's that's going to be Penn State. Penn State stubbed their toe against Ohio State. Penn State stubbed their toe at Minnesota, where credit to Minnesota winning that football game, Penn State had zero points four times inside Minnesota territory. I think they had three interceptions in the red zone. Didn't work out. Now you have Minnesota's offensive coordinator going to Penn State. Uh Micah Parsons, incredible. James Franklin's been phenomenal. All they've done is challenge and lead Ohio State, but not close against Ohio State. And they've had to reload because they've had guys on the offensive side, when you think of Barkley or Godwin, Uh, When you think of some of the defensive line talent, they've had Penn State's defense will carry them. Penn State will be a top four or top five ranked team. Penn State still could lose to Ohio State and get to a college football playoff. I think the Big Ten has a great shot of getting Ohio State and either Wisconsin or Penn State in. I need to look at the schedule here real quick to see if Ohio State, I should say, if Penn State and Wisconsin play one another, I think you can get out of the Big Ten uh, and not be a conference champ with one regular season yeah. loss and get in. Especially if that loss is to Ohio State. <laughs> and they've uh, been close. They have been close. My thought
0: on the Penn State team this year is it's kind of relying on what Sean Clifford's going to be doing. And I think he's
2: been okay. He's been okay. He's, he's got- not been like McSorley, but he's been. The, McSorley had the flair for, for the dramatic, mm-hmm. didn't he? He did. I mean, he had he had the flair for the dramatic. He was great. He hit a bunch of big 50-50 plays and they weren't just well let's let's kiss our cross and and hope it goes well uh, in that Big Ten championship season, he was, he was really, really good for them. Yeah. And Clifford, I think, can be there, too. Yeah. All he has to do is be good enough with that defense that they have. I mean, Micah Parsons
0: is probably going to be the best player in the remember Big Ten. Remember when that is. dude was running fly patterns on Friday Night Lights? That's when he knew the kid was going to be good. I remember seeing that and thinking, wherever this guy goes, going to It's, like, he's it's nice be that he's
2: visiting Nebraska. He ain't moving here.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, he was beating three and four-star defensive backs mm-hmm. on fly routes as a, as a linebacker. I think at the time, he was even playing a little bit of defensive end. So he's going to be the best player in the Big Ten next year, at least on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion. The question for me is, this team is still pretty young. When you look across the roster, I think they have five seniors that are starting across their uh, their 22 starters on offense and defense. So the question is going to be, is this a year where they're looking to set up uh, a college football playoff run the next year? Are they looking to make the run this year? I think it kind of depends on the early season success, how much they're clicking. Because this could be a team where if they go 10-2, and 11-1 this year, they could be setting themselves up for a Big Ten championship, 12-0, and 0, running a national championship the year after that.
2: Here's what I look at with Penn State. It's, it's manageable for them this year. Their schedule, they do have to go to Virginia Tech, allegedly. We can all say allegedly with the non-conference this year. That's big. They host Northwestern. They go to Michigan. That's not easy. They host Penn State. That's consecutive. They get Michigan. They get Iowa. They get Ohio State all consecutively. God love you, Big Ten. You don't take it easy on your big dogs ever. You always have some sort of death march involved with your team's best with with the best in the league or some of your blue blood names.
0: Is that Penn State game against Iowa the week before Ohio State? Is that in Iowa City? It's no,
2: they okay, that, that's good they, they are hosting Iowa. That's good for them. And they're hosting Ohio State in consecutive weeks, but there's no buy between them. <laughs> right. So they do have a buy between Michigan and Iowa. So that looks good. I think the trip to Lincoln in November won't be easy for them. Mm-mm. I think uh, Maryland, that's always a rivalry. That Chesapeake region is where Penn State loves to recruit, and James Franklin's got a lot of history with Maryland. They end with Rutgers, another kind of back-to-back rivalry-type games, at least regional rivalry-type games. Sparty goes to, to to Penn State after Nebraska gets them. So if you were to pick out where Penn State loses, uh, they could lose at Virginia Tech. But I think with that defense, they're, they've been pretty good on the road. Uh, they could lose at Michigan. Right, and they can lose at home to Ohio State. I think they can get by Iowa, and then we'll just see I mean, where we're at in the world of college football in November. Is Nebraska a better football team? Is Penn State a fading football team after that stretch? Because uh, and and the other side of this too, Penn State's got to go to Indiana after Ohio State. And it, listen, going to Indiana now with Allen there, and even with um, uh, with Wilson. You better bring your your offense because you've got to outscore them most times when you go to Bloomington. That's kind of been the feel and trend. It's been that way for Ohio State. It's been that way for for Nebraska. When you look at last year's shootout, even though it was a Memorial Stadium, you have to outscore Indiana. Period. When you play them at their place,
0: but the big game and it's still the the top target in the Big Ten is still Ohio State. And I think Penn State's probably the only team in the Big Ten this year that's got a defense that's good enough that you could reasonably expect they could contain Justin Fields. I think they could go smack the hell out of him. Exactly. I think they're the only team in the Big Ten that's got a defense that's good enough to do that. So I think they're probably the only real challengers to Ohio State this year. I still think Ohio State's still head and shoulders above everyone else. Though.
2: I, I am I am buying Penn State. I am buying Penn State to at least go 11-2. and two, And I'm buying Penn State to finish in the top 10. Hmm. I think they will do... At a minimum, that this year, if we get it,
0: I'll buy them just because I think they're going to finish second in the Big Ten. I'm not sure where they're going to finish the season. Kind of depends where their losses are, but I can see top 15 finish with a loss to only Ohio State.
2: Hey, and their crossover. I mean, it's not easy in Iowa against Iowa, not easy against Nebraska.
0: And now,
1: and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: One final time this hour, Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chrisman Elijah Herbel, Bill Dolman coming up, and Jay Moore, Jay, a part of match play this week for the Nebraska Amateurs. And then Barry Switzer, the time he went to the Derby with Keith Jackson. And a fun Charles Haley story. 466 377 6800 825 5865 you are a big NBA guy, Elijah and uh, testing has been going on, and it's it, it looks like you know Mickey Mouse and Minnie and Goofy and everybody's gonna be in that bubble, and we're gonna get some NBA. How are you? Are you geeked about the NBA coming back, or have you kind of shifted gears to yes, we want live sports, but it, it there's still some some time between when the NBA is going to get back up. We'll get some baseball in here in about three weeks. And then we'll hopefully fast forward into football.
0: It's cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic for the NBA because, I mean, the players, some of them still have some problems with the bubble they're going to be living in. Uh, I mean, the Disney employees that they're going to be interacting with aren't required to be living within a bubble. So that runs into some issues whenever all the players and all the reporters are in a bubble, but the people that they're interacting with on a day-to-day basis aren't. But I'm still optimistic they're... They're making things a little bit more laid back for this. I think the NBA kind of understands what a weird scenario that they're in. Uh, players are no longer going to have a dress code on the, uh, on the sidelines whenever they're not playing. Um, there's replacement players that are being signed for players that don't want to go play there. and Or if, they, uh, if they're scared of getting COVID down there, they, uh, they can opt out of playing. And the NBA, player, or NBA teams can go sign other NBA players. So it's going to be a little bit weird. The Lakers already know that one of their key guys off the bench, Avery Bradley, isn't going to be playing, um, which makes things extra tough on them. Whenever Mm -hmm. you have, I mean, you got LeBron, so let's be honest. But, I mean, they have an aging roster around LeBron. So whenever you start losing guys around him, you run into some issues. But at the same time, I think I can still be
2: excited for the weirdness, even if I know, (laughs) like... I mean, you know, you don't know excited for the weirdness. I mean, here's what I know: sixteen out of three hundred two have tested positive. Mm-hmm. That's a small number. Here's what also I know: Clemson football, their COVID numbers, they are reporting them. June eighth, two players test positive. Last week, twenty one more players positive to bring that total to twenty three. This week, fourteen more players positive, bringing the total to thirty seven. So what you do have here is about a third of their roster that's been tested positive for covid-19. And
0: so I don't know what, if they're I don't
2: know if they're me. not I don't know if they're not isolating or it was asymptomatic so you're in the same living room or what whatever.
0: And, th- and that's what scares me about the NBA is how quickly it can spread especially if these guys are living in a bubble. They're all in one of two hotels down there. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh, that the teams are pretty evenly split among these hotels. But, I mean, how quickly it can spread whenever you have someone who's asymptomatic, that's why I'm cautiously optimistic.
2: We'll uh, check in with Bill Dolman. We'll get Bill's thoughts as uh, Boyd Epley retiring uh, officially, and he'll retire again, but this time for for good. And, Bill, uh, a lot of time with Nebraska football. Got to see Husker Power up close and personal, and what, what a game-changer it was for Nebraska to be bigger, faster, stronger And uh, Boyd Epley, the uh, architect of that. So, we'll get into some football thoughts with Bill Dolman. Jay Moore coming up. And uh, Barry Switzer. Hail Varsity continues. Hour 2. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or one
2: 800 825 5865 Here's Chris Schmidt. Hour two, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt Elijah, Herbalberry switzer coming up in 30 minutes jay moore on the way we welcome in he is the pride of fairberry he's with nbc sports he has starred countless times with blondes on mattresses for tv we say hi to bill dolman billy d how's your friday
4: well, I'm not hanging out with any blondes on mattresses. I'm hanging out with you guys. I'm but, saying uh, are, are you have starred lost, on TV. Relatively t- speaking, okay.
2: <laughs> you have starred on TV with blondes <laughs> on mattresses.
4: <laughs> and that's not happening today. So, relatively <laughs> speaking, I'm all right. I guess I'm not as good as I could be, though.
2: No, absolutely not. I mean, Bill Dolman, your your film work is unparalleled, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Brother, uh, I got a lot to get into, but I want to I want to start off with uh, your experience, your insights, some thoughts on Boyd Epley as, as he is retiring, and I know he's he's stepped away before from the program, but pretty uh, major influence for Nebraska football, Devaney through Osburn, and then back again, and, and I know that there are his uh, nutrition and and strength and conditioning disciples that have taking the mantle all over the college football world and just athletics world in general to uh, make kids bigger, stronger, and faster. And what do you remember about, about Boyd and, and his contributions to, to Nebraska?
4: You know, uh, the, the thing that a couple things stand out to me, and it, it, Boyd, Boyd did a great job, and much like Tom Osborne, of enabling his assistants. To develop as young strength coaches into becoming major college strength coaches, and I think of the staff that he had and you know I, I, there are times when I think that there were probably some philosophical differences with the way you know the uh, certain coaches had um, in terms of the way they wanted to train athletes, um, but nevertheless, I think you had Boyd had under him an incredibly smart and dedicated uh, group of strength coaches that knew the Nebraska way that even though they may have some different you know philosophies on how to train certain athletes there was still that understanding of this is how we do things at Nebraska much the way Tom had his football program and really Tom's influence was over the, the entire athletic department but you know Boyd had great people uh, you know Mike Arthur Randy Goebbel John Jost uh, Paul Koch uh... Gosh, the, the, Kevin Coleman, I remember. Um, uh, Brian Bailey. <laughs> to this day, Brian Bailey may, and I don't I mean this in a bad way, may have been one of the more unusual strength coaches in the world. How so? Uh, well, you know, Brian, Brian didn't fit the mold. I mean, Brian was kind of a um, – Brian probably was maybe not the biggest guy in the world, maybe 5'8", okay. maybe 150 pounds. But when it came to understanding how to train the body and do so in some unusual ways, but also being a great psychologist, uh, and Brian worked a lot with the basketball program down at the Devaney Center, but, you know, he had a lot of trust with athletes that would come back from the NFL, and, uh, you know, Brian, I saw Brian work out, there were a couple times when I worked out with Brian, and it's like, I didn't know the human body could function in this way, you know, uh, but... (laughs) But there were just so many guys that, that were just so smart, and he enabled them to do what they did to relate to the athletes and to better themselves as strength coaches that, you know, bettered the athlete. And then, I guess, unfortunately, <laughs> they went on and went to other schools, you know. And, and the Nebraska roots, uh, you know, reach, you know, from border to border, uh, coast to coast uh, because of the, the program that Boyd created, not just in – you know sets and reps, but in allowing coaches to develop themselves, and then they took that expertise on to other places. Boyd was also is also a master marketer. Well, let's face it: if there was somebody who had uh, any kind of strength and conditioning equipment, they brought it to Boyd for his seal of approval, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure Boyd was well compensated for a thumbs up. Mm. Um to that end we were never without Bell's whistles and every you know everything in the Nebraska strength and conditioning program that was always amazing but but another thing that I want to say about about him now is I think Boyd coming back to be a part of the Nebraska program you know he, he was gone for what four or five years mm-hmm. I think living out here in Colorado actually going back and wanting to help reestablish Nebraska's athletic strength and conditioning program, the athletic department, you know, renew uh, relationships between the department and the people. Uh, I, and Dave Ellis also, you know, was a pioneer and, and arguably the greatest in terms of sports nutrition and development, you know, for those guys to, to, you know, leave the, the life that they've had out here in Colorado to go back to Nebraska and to be a part of what Bill Moose is doing. Scott Frost is now doing all of that, I think, kind of put a seal of approval. Again, I use that term on on the the direction of the program, the people in the program, bringing back a little of the history and the tradition, and utilizing that to build the future upon. So, I think him going back, Dave Ellis going back, you know, Brandon Meyer, young guy, not not necessarily somebody who was back in the days of Devaney and Osborne, but Brandon created an incredible empire at Sooner Vision at Oklahoma. You've got people who have deep roots at Nebraska who are using those roots to build the future. And I think Boyd going back, you know, kind of says things are okay. And I want to be a part of it again before I retire. So I respect him for that.
2: Bill Dolman's with us. Pride of Fairberry, NBC sports at Bill Dolman on Twitter, Bill, a uh, friend of the show is Bill Bender with the sporting news. And he put out and he has a pretty, pretty rock solid. Oh, uh, theory here and it's not even a theory it's just here's how we make up it's an algorithm right the point total for you to be a a ranked team and he went through and he ranked the top 25 programs the last 10 years okay and did you play for a title did you win a title how many guys did you put in the nfl how many new year's bowls did you go to all those things and nebraska's first half of 2010 They're 27 games over 500. They're playing in conference title games. Guys are going to the NFL. The last five years, they've had one winning season. So Nebraska does not get into the top 25 club of the last 10 years. Where would you project Nebraska? When you look at 2010 through 2019 as we head into 2020, where would you rank Nebraska uh, how far outside the top 25, would they be just receiving votes? Are they a top 35 program? Are they top 50? Where would you slate Nebraska?
4: Ahead uh, of Colorado. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> um,
2: no, no shocker there.
4: Well, they don't even know that they have a program. Um, look, I it's think all those on, edibles, or, Bill. We're, <laughs> we're on the cusp of of, uh, of a new era, new decade. Um, I, I don't see why uh, I, I shouldn't put Nebraska number one. Okay. I, view, I view the world through big red, you know, scarlet cream-colored glasses. So why not? I mean, nobody else has done anything this decade, right? Not yet. Right, hope hope we, exactly. Hope we get to. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I mean, there's 68 teams that start the NCAA tournament. They all got a chance, right? Uh-huh. Uh, except for the ones in Dayton. So no, I, I think Nebraska is a, is at the cusp of doing something pretty special, and uh, you know it, it has it taken longer, absolutely, than we wanted it to. But I don't see why there is any reason ne- why Nebraska can't, with the new the new facilities that are going into place, with a fan base that remains passionate, uh, with a coach that is relevant to today's uh, college football player. You know, I, I don't think the days. Of Nebraska being a top 25 program consistently are that far away and i and I would be bold enough to say I don't think the, the days of Nebraska being a top 15 consistent a consistent top 15 program are all that far away, maybe not this year, but maybe but I, 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 there's let's face it, there's really nowhere for the program to go but up sure. at least you know so we hope but but why why not why not buy Nebraska right now I would.
0: Bill Dolman is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Bill, it's difficult to put Nebraska at a numbered list. I I get that. But are there any schools that you would compare Nebraska's last decade to in terms of success uh, or lack thereof?
4: uh i would try to compare it to colorado but i have no idea what they've done the last decade and nobody else does either <laughs> can i can i drive that point home anymore just hammer yeah hammer that home <laughs> <laughs> i think it's i think it's hard to it's hard to judge uh, because it has been such an unusual you know the last two decades unfortunately i think it'd be one thing if Nebraska had you know, peaked and did just, just completely slid downhill and been mired at the bottom, and that's just the way life is. But there have been so many you know, self-inflicted wounds with bad leadership and bad management that I think it's hard to really grasp you know, what the identity of Nebraska athletics is right now. I, 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 the, the program that I often look back on in terms of its history is Minnesota. Okay. If you go back to the 1930s and 40s you know, in the days when Army was also one of the dominant programs, Minnesota was, you know, like one of the uh, – I think they won a national championship like in 39 or 40 or – They won like 40 five, five like in a row or something. Yeah, you know, way back when. And then they just, you know, slid down the hill and stayed there. And there was just, you know, kind of people – that's just Minnesota. That's just the way it's going to be. And then finally in the last, you know, maybe eight years, they've kind of turned things around. But I wouldn't exactly say that they're on solid footing but they certainly enjoyed a couple of nice seasons with P.J. Fleck. Mm. But for Nebraska, there's just been no opportunity to get any traction with decent leadership in the last, you know, really the last 20 years. I was just having a conversation today with somebody with Pittsburgh roots, and the four-year case of the flu came Mm. up, you know, and and you're thinking that was self-inflicted. You know, you had, um, you know, the chancellor that sure was a – part of the NCAA football committee, but I don't think Nebraska necessarily did Nebraska a lot of favors other than follow along Tom Osborne into the Big Ten, which has given Nebraska some stability, certainly financially. Uh, The the Icorst era was a complete disaster in terms of leadership. You just continue to set yourself backward uh, without really having any identity in the program. So to to equate Nebraska to another program like that, I think – i think it's really difficult to
2: do bill i gotta ask you you've been a part of uh broadcasts you've been a part of athletic departments you've had people ask your opinion on coaches or athletic directors because of your 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 background in sports and this is just a, an out loud question i've always wondered how the hell do you get it so wrong not you But somebody who's in charge, how do you get it so wrong with such a bad hire? How do you botch something so horribly?
4: Well, I I do take blame uh, because I should have been the athletic director at the (laughs) University of Nebraska. And because I chose another career path, this is what's happened. So I do lay the blame at myself. Tom Osborne would still be the football coach, you know, Um, or as long as he wanted to be. Uh So, yes, it it is somewhat on me. But uh, I think you had people who just did not understand, um, you know, aspects of leadership. And when they were exposed to what great leadership is, they didn't really pay attention. They had their own ego in mind. They had their own personal agenda and personal vendettas. And uh, they executed that when they got in the, the big chair where they didn't, where people thought they belonged, but they certainly didn't.
1: Mm.
4: And, um and you had people that went along with it. I think Nebraska was blessed to have had an athletic director in Bob Devaney, who was a football coach and who understood what Tom was going to go through, the highs and the lows. And you know, we all know the lows weren't mm-hmm. very low for Tom. But you know, I don't think Tom ever feared that he was going to be in trouble for losing a game, three games, or maybe even five games, six games. Because he Bob understood what Tom was going through and what it took to be a football coach and, and that program and everything. Um, and then you know certainly Tom Osborne and Bill Byrne had clashes of personality. Bill was the, the right athletic director at the right time to bring Nebraska from the 70s ahead of the rest of the college football and athletic department world, you know in terms of the way he operated, but he let Tom do his thing, whether they liked each other or not that's beside the point they function together <laughs> they, they work together they worked and it worked out well uh, but you know when you had bill leave and the decision was and, and you know it was universally accepted i i think that that steve was the guy and it turned out to be completely wrong and then you had you know harvey perlman who had whatever agenda he had and then you know you get rid of steve and fortunately tom comes in there to kind of settle things, and the decision with Sean I, I course just is still mystifying to me. Mm. I, can't, I, I can't believe Barry Alvarez is to blame. I, I, I would, you, think just, had, you, just, you no. just had people making bad, bad decisions with, with people who, you know, they're looking at more like at, at resumes, uh, and, 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 and instead of people with real athletic, I believe, experience, they were looking at people with, with resumes and is this going to look good in the boardroom as opposed to is this going to look good in the locker room and on the field. And uh, I think it was disastrous.
2: Bill Dolman, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Billy D, what uh, got about 30 seconds here. What do you got happening this weekend?
4: Well, I'm, uh, right now, I, after the introduction, I'm kind of hoping that there's a, a mattress <laughs> commercial coming my way, but uh, I'm guessing that's not going to happen either. More, maybe you, know, some, you know some more art maybe, film work. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe I'll try to figure out exactly what's happening with, with the NBA and Major League Baseball to see what kind of convoluted plans they have because, quite frankly, I just can't quite figure out what any of those people are trying to do. And I think maybe they just ought sort to of say, look, everybody gets a ribbon. Let's call it good, we'll see you and, next hope, year. and hope there's football, right? Because I can't believe that anybody's going to win a, a baseball or NBA championship is going to like hoist the trophies and go, "Wow, this was a great year."
2: Yeah, Bill, take care, and we'll chat with you after the fourth, bud. Thanks for the time. All right, have a great weekend. Go big red. All right, Jay Moore's coming up with Hale Varsity.
1: All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the Big Red, an NFL bet. It's Dugness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, do do if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt, Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Hey!
2: Back with you. Tail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to Blackshirt, Husker, NFL, or Jay Moore. His podcast, more to it. And you catch him on Big Red Wrap Up as co-host. And Jay, put your putter down, man. <laughs> it's been a busy week for you on the golf course. Congrats on, on what you've been able to do uh, in your golf career, man. And uh, another another nice showing this week of the uh, the state amateurs kind of take us through how your week was
5: yeah it was just it was uh, you know this state match play here in town at uh, Hillcrest and um, obviously being Lincoln, I live here in Lincoln and very familiar with the golf course you know you, um, you know you have to kind of go through two rounds of qualifying just to get into match play so you have to you know about five or six years ago it was just one one uh, round of match or qualifying to get in so you can kind of catch lightning in the bottle and, and qualify for one round, but now it's two rounds. So you've got to kind of prove yourself for two and kind of separate some guys. So I played solid. I played good enough. I played really well on my first day. Shot 70, um, 200 par. Um, next day, I just kind of scraped it around. And to be honest, don't do not do anything too crazy to get yourself out of, you know, qualifying. So, you know, I made a couple bogeys and, you know, and didn't didn't make any birdies, but it was good enough to get in. Um so yeah, I just the match play part. Yeah, it uh, it was <laughs> it was it was kind of a tough pill to swallow. Kind of got some bad breaks. I, it was a, kind of the equivalent of you know, honestly probably having about a three touchdown lead at halftime and then letting them come back and, and you know losing overtime. That's, that's yeah. how I would equate it to uh, to football. Um, kind of had it going. Was playing solid early. Um, hit some good shots. Um, the kid I was playing, young kid, he's a, in college, college player, really good player. He just wasn't hitting as good and then, you know, I kind of made a mistake and he finally won a hole and that kind of gave him some confidence and uh, it kind of just the momentum switched um, in the match and that's just like in any sport, you know, you got you to gotta learn how to close out your opponents and I just wasn't able to do that and I had a chance to win it on 17 and um, he made about a 25 foot putt for par win the hole and go that you know, and then it was kind of I just was on the downside. It just felt slipping, and it's, it's, it wasn't a good feeling. So, um, overall, you know, I'm always happy um, to make it into match play. It's 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 a grind to do that, play well for two days in a row to get in there. But uh, I just I got to learn how to be a better match play. player, We just don't do it a lot. I don't do a lot. I've I've uh, I've qualified you know for the match play uh, part of it the last three years and. Um, I've only won one match. I've only made to round of sixteen. Hmm. So I've been knocked out, you know, on the first match through the last three years. So that's got to improve. But overall, like I said, uh, when it comes down to, you know, first and foremost, my goal is always to make the match play field every year, and I did that. And um, just got to start capitalizing a little more the match play. But match play is a different animal. That's it's, it's, it's a different beast. Um, you're just playing an opponent, and you gotta. I said I learned to close out, close out guys, and when I when I get the chance to. But uh, Alex a, he's a really good player. He just got some he got the momentum going, and I couldn't I couldn't get it back. So overall, you know, on to, on some other things, and I'll take I'll take what I did well this week, and and uh, you know move on to hopefully help me out another golf tournament the rest of the year.
2: Jay Moore's with us, Hail City Radio. Jay, thanks for for kind of letting us in. That's a helpless feeling, and and we've all felt it in some aspect of life. You've done it. On the the golf course or the football field, where you're you're doing your best and you feel it slipping away, but you can also tip your cap if a guy hits a twenty five foot bomb on you. I mean, that's just dude making a play as well. Correct? I mean, you correct. gotta you gotta kind of give props where they're where they're due.
5: Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I mean, you hit better golf shot than me coming down the, you know on the back nine. Um, like I said, I had a chance to really put him out um, of the match, you know, early in the, in the back nine, and uh, I just didn't do that. I just didn't hit good enough putts, and um, it is what it is. Like, you, you got to, in the field of 30, when you get down to 32 players, I mean, everybody qualified is really good. Mm-hmm. They're really good players, you know. It wasn't someone, guy that, you know, you know got hot for...
2: There's no happy Gilmore enough. out there, is what you're telling me. What? What's that? So there's no happy Gilmore out there.
5: Yeah, yeah. You just have to play. You, you know, you gotta. Everyone's everyone's really good. Um, so you know, I just like I said, yeah. I pretty much gave up a three touchdown lead at, at halftime, and you know, maybe you know gave, they had early turnover in the third quarter, and, mm. or they blocked a the punt or something like that, and kind of just flipped the flip the momentum totally, and um, it's just all about energy, you know, and you got some good things going and my energy was good and i make a mistake and it drains my energy he you know he hits it to a couple feet on the next hole and birdies it and i par it all of a sudden you know it's, you know here we go hmm. so i'm fighting my ass off that's just that's how sports goes you know you gotta learn to close out close out people when you have them and um i didn't do enough i didn't do a good enough job so no complaining here you know,
2: just gotta play better, Jay. I want to go to Nebraska football, and what you're talking about with golf can apply to, you know, what what type of mentality this Nebraska football team will, no doubt, want to have, and we can cite examples of Nebraska having some leads and not closing out in a team finding a way, be it Colorado last year or Northwestern in in 2018. Those come to mind where you're just sick about it. Uh, when it comes to Nebraska's defense, Jay, I'm interested to get your take. Really impressed with the the job Nebraska's done recruiting for linebacker. And I know that these are just high school kids and they're 2021 kids, but you look at the recruits brought in for 2020 at linebacker, you look at 2021 prospects, and a kid I've really enjoyed talking with is, is, is Schweitzer, kid out of Northern California that's just – I mean, he's tall, he's athletic, he's six, you know, he's six, three and a half and 220 and and really a nice hybrid outside guy, a lot like you when you transition to the NFL. What's the most difficult part of, of being that hybrid outside backer? Because you're asked to do great against the run. You're asked to be athletic and fast so you can run things down, you know, away, away from, you know, kind of, kind of run the ball down uh, from the from the backside. You're supposed to be decent in coverage, but also flip that switch and go kill a quarterback. It's a really tough position to get and get good at. What's the most difficult difficult uh, task to like be really good at with all those jobs at the outside spot?
5: Yeah, it's, you know, for me, you know, it's hard, It's tough because as a defense, you know, a defensive alignment, you know, you didn't really worry about. Coverages. It was right. just learning how to play the run and rush the passer, and you know, didn't like to communicate that much. Um, when you're an outside guy, um, you got to be a Swiss Army guy. You got to you just are, You got to be able to rush the passer. You got to be able to play the run, um, set the edge. You got to be able to communicate with your with uh defensive tackle next to you, with the other linebacker, the safeties, the, the corners, and in coverage situations. Um, You have to play with a really good eye. You have to learn to pass. You know, you just got to – it's a lot. And um, you kind of get spread a little thin in trying to, you know, do things. You can't, you know, you have to participate in seven-on-seven. Seven. And then run down there. Usually, you know, they're doing one-on-one pass rush, with O-line, D-line during seven-on-seven periods. So then you get ten reps at seven-on-seven, seven, and you got to run down and, and do, you know, get a few reps of – one run pass us against a tight end or an offensive tackle something like that. So you just it's hard to really um to sit good at everything. But you have to be you have to be really good at everything. And it, it, they just put a lot of stress. So that's why, you know, you have to be big, strong. That's why they smart. Um, play with good eyes. It's it is, you just like I said, you just get you get spread thin mm-hmm. and you know, you gotta be able to read, you know, if you are not the guy who's rushing you are going to be dropping in the pass coverage. you got to be able to still play the run and the run play and recognize if it's not to get back to your drop, whether you're to the cover four side or a cover two side or whatever it may mm-hmm. be um, with whatever defense is called. So it's 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 just a lot. You just you get spread thin. You just really, it's a hard to just focus on kind of one thing like most positions kind of get to do, you know. You know, inside linebackers, um, they play the run, and they have their, their pass drops. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they blitz, but, you know, they don't do it a ton. So you just, it's, it might be one of the hardest positions to really, um, you know, for lack of better terms, master sure. um, in, 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 in the, in, in on the football field. So um, it takes a special one. And when you see, you know, the good ones, I've done it before. I mean, let's be honest. First and foremost, in that position, the the best thing a guy can do is rush the passer. Okay. That is the most important thing. Um, that changed football games. That that changes, you know, how all lines protect. Um, you look at great outside linebackers, in the NFL. You look at you know the Millers I and mean, the Demarcus Ware when he's with the Cowboys, and um, you just go down the line, you know. I mean, Lawrence Taylor is the uh, Derek Thomas is the guy that sure. just could flat out change football games because they could flat out run the passer like and yeah they might have to drop and do some things every now and then but you know that's maybe 10-20% of the defensive plays that they play so most important they gotta be able to just flat out get after the passer um so if they want to really focus on something that's not say that's that's the most important That's that's kind of plan A for those guys is you gotta be able to rush the passer we just you know we're still missing that, that link right now. Um, with those outside guys,
2: Jay, uh, a quick thought here about, uh, 90 seconds. Jay Moore is with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Are you concerned with, uh, with COVID numbers and college football, uh, NFL college? Do you worry that we may push the season back? Do you worry that may, we may suspend it or do you think it's going to just trudge forward?
5: Yeah. It's just funny. It's just, you know, back in April I was worried, and then just a couple of weeks ago, I was, oh my gosh, this is we're, we're going to get rock and rolling here. Uh, I still think it's going to be fine. This thing is, are going to have some cases and show symptoms, whatever it is, you know, so they're going to be out her. We're at this point now, and I, I think PJ Tour has done a phenomenal job. on Hand this week came out, you know. They've had a little cases, but let's be honest, I mean, they had over 2,000 tests, and only 7 people have tested positive. I mean, That's like a point two percent is like you're going to have some of it, but let's don't overreact. That's the biggest thing. That's what use that information and let's make smart decisions and don't to overreact to anything. And, yes, yeah, so will some maybe schools get hurt by this maybe potentially? or uh, NFL for sure. I think the NFL will for sure play. Some colleges might have to do some different things because of budget concerns, and I still think, you know, here in Lincoln, football's going to get going, and I can't wait for it to start.
2: Can't either, man. I can't wait for that big skin. Jay, uh, have a good weekend, brother. Thanks for a few minutes.
5: Yep, got. Thank you.
1: And we're back, fellas. Think we could listen to the radio? On
2: Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
6: Yes, that's awesome.
2: Back in Hale, Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He won a Super Bowl. He won multiple national championships. Former coach with the Sooners and Cowboys, Barry Switzer, back with us. Coach, thanks for a few minutes. How are you?
6: I'm great uh, right now. I'm a little head cold. Been uh, doing good, Chris. Always enjoy being with you folks up north of
5: here.
2: Well, we love catching up with you, but before we get to draft, you blew Twitter up last weekend with your outfit, and it looked spectacular <laughs> at the Kentucky Derby. Where'd you get that sport coat, Coach?
6: Well, Keith Jackson and I, my couple of, of course, Larry Lacel had coach here for years, defensive coordinator back when y'all had Monty Kiffin there, and and Tom were assistants. We were all together here in the '70s, and. Uh, And been great friends for years. And and here, Keith Jackson, one of my great players, lives in Little Rock. Well, Larry's there in Arkansas, too. So I decided I'd just whip in there and pick those two guys up and go on to Kentucky Derby and have a great weekend. And uh, of course, we all had to get uh, nice-looking outfits uh, that fit the occasion. And, uh, <laughs> and a couple of, we got uh, people to uh, call us. They thought we were at a pimp convention <laughs> when they saw Keith <laughs> we were dressed up and, uh, uh, for the derby. But you know, we had a great time. It's a lot of fun. And Keith Jackson says this doesn't violate any so rules, does it, Coach? And I said, No, I don't think it does. <laughs> we I can take you now after 20 years. Of, uh,
2: that's pretty good. How'd you do at the window? I mean, did you pick a couple winners?
6: You know what? I I, I don't know anything about the horses, but I had a guy with us. Uh, I went up with a guy named Harold Ham who's who bought the racetrack. You know, they ought to change a million dollar roll when he's in there a billion dollar roll. He's worth <laughs> about seventeen, eighteen billion dollars and and uh we we had a great time. He's he, he's like me, he doesn't know how to play the horses. He's worked all his damn life, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so but we did have a guy with us that's played the horses all his life. He knew how to put box and combo and trip stack to exact. All that crap I don't know anything about. Well we just turned him loose and he's playing a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars a race, but only certain races. He wouldn't play every race. He's only got be, he, he knows what races he wants to be in. And we would let him, and we'd take a percentage of his bet. See, mm. and that's and we ended up winning money that way. You know, we won a couple thousand, but it was uh, he won about three thousand. You know, <laughs> but uh, he knew he knew how to do it. I tell you what, you really need to know what you're doing. You just don't go pick it on the name or color of a horse, or mm. you know, the jockey and all that. That those things. And jockey's probably more important than color in the name of a horse, but. Uh, uh, it was fun i did it last year did it again this year did it a couple times when i was at cowboys i've done it before uh, i've been about five times but it's always one of those bucket list events and uh, i really enjoyed uh, doing it
2: coach uh, a lot like the derby picking the right draft pick important uh, coach did you enjoy the the draft experience can you take me through uh, your experience with it did you enjoy it
6: yeah, sure, I enjoyed it. I think the one thing about pro football that you really enjoy is, is, is comp, uh, you know, uh, the, the draft and uh, preparing for the draft is evaluating talent. I always in, in college, I always look, enjoy looking at high school tape of football players trying to find that Billy Sims, that, uh, you know, that Leroy Selman. Uh, you've always got your measuring stick of uh, what you have in your mind, what you've coached, what you've uh, played with. And uh, you're putting everyone up against their talents and abilities and what they look like. And because uh, you, you remember that, you got a mental picture of how they played, how they practiced, what they look like on tape. And you're always looking for these guys against competition. And, and so when, when you look at high uh, college tape, I'm doing the same thing. And in the three or four weeks, five weeks before the draft, you're always in there every day with the scouts talking to them, you're in there the next day with the coaches because the coaches, position coaches, have always looked at the people they would coach in the draft. And uh, and the scouts are going over their area, their talent in the area. We're going over their grades. We're looking at tape, giving their opinion on how these guys ought to be on the board and how they rank their players. And then we all get in there as a group. And then we evaluate. Everybody evaluates. We hold up a name of the top guys on the list, you go down your list of 100, you've already kind of pre-ranked them, and then you say, where should this guy go on the board? And everybody in the room says, well, that guy should go number one. Everybody in the room votes on it. Might have a few dissenters, but most of the time it's majority, and uh, I'm the tiebreaker. And uh, if there is a tie and we put that guy at one, then we go the next guy, the next guy, the next guy. And that's how you set your board. In other words, regardless of what position they play, Chris, You're going to set them up there uh, by their abilities and talent. And uh, it's not by what the needs of your own team is. It's what the ability and talent of the player is, regardless of the other 32 teams in the league, what their needs are, who they are and all. So you set your board, and you know what? It's amazing how everyone else, the other 32 teams' board is set. Because when you watch the first round be picked and go off the board, we our, our first round disappears, too, just like probably everyone else's first round disappears. We might have one or two guys left in the first round on our board that didn't go. And, you know, we might uh, – that, that's our evaluation of them. doesn't mean we're wrong. They're probably going to go early in the second round. But it means that we've done a good job of setting our board when the rest of the league agreed with us. Uh, and yet we haven't even talked to them what their board was like. No one tells what their board is. And uh, that just tells you well, you've done a good job in your evaluation.
2: Kind of validates uh, if everyone's on the same page. This right, is the guy right. you, you got to take. Barry Switzer with us, Hale Varsity Radio, at Barry underscore Switzer. Coach, did you? What was your your thoughts on on going after a guy that you knew was a giant talent? and it would also fill a need, but maybe had some off-the-field issues. There's a few guys that had some issues, you know, and you're a guy that, that was able to, to be a father figure for well, a number of guys.
6: You, I, yeah, I, I've always been able to handle guys like that. And yeah. I've, been a, I've, always, I've been close to my players. I've mm-hmm. been a, You know, I, I spent time with them. I did things that maybe other coaches didn't know, you know, and I – I go to their house. I go spend time with them. I go sit in the living room. If they're married, you know, I talked to her a lot. You know, I did things like that. Even pro ball. I had one player who was a great pass rusher who didn't show up for practice one day named Charles Haley. Great player, won five Super Bowls. And, and I said, where's Haley today? And they said, well, he didn't show up for practice, coach, and he's pouting about something. You know, he's bipolar and, hell, he probably hadn't taken his medicine. I said, well, anybody called him? And, 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 and I said, does anybody know where he lives? Well, hell, none of my coaches even knew where he lived. I said, uh, I told my secretary to find out, so I, next thing I know, I'm in my car, I'm over at his house, I ring his doorbell, he comes to the door, looks, opens the door, looks down at me, and he's stunned. And I said, well, are you going to invite me in, Charles? I, uh, he said, yeah, coach, come on in. So I walk in, I, I said, well, can I sit down? He said, yeah, I sit down, so I sat down. And he sat down on the edge of his chair and looked across at me on the couch, and he's kind of just in silence. I said, what the hell is wrong with you, Charles? You take your medicine day?" And he said, yeah, coach. And I said, well, I said, yeah, he said, you, I said, well, what's wrong with you? And he says, well, you're the first coach I've ever seen in my home. You know, you're the first coach ever come see me. And I said, that, that's not why I'm here. I want to know why the hell you want to practice. You know, I don't need to know that. And he, he started laughing. He says, well, I, I said, isn't that stupid? Isn't that really stupid? We pay you millions of dollars to, to be at practice, to play your butt off in the ball games, and you, you're not at practice because that's silly-ass reason. I said, now, damn it. You be there this afternoon for practice. I said, I'm, I don't want this anymore. Don't promise me you're not going to do that. And he said, Coach, I won't miss another practice. He not only be- never missed another practice, he became a great leader for me mm-hmm. on the, practice- on the uh, pro football field. He and I spent time together. We'd go ride a Harley together. It's important to treat each one of them differently, and you knew the difference makers, and you ought to have a great relationship with difference makers.
2: That's the uh, the king there, half a hundred. Barry Switzer recounting his trip to the Kentucky Derby in the pimp convention outfit he and Keith Jackson wore in the time he visited Charles Haley. More on his uh, sit down with Charles Haley. More from Barry Switzer. Reminder: one out of three crashes, fatal crashes involves an impaired driver, drunk driving, buzzed her high. Never acceptable. Find a safe way home with a designated driver brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office.
1: Miss us?
0: Come here, brother. Give me mean hub. Bring it in for the real thing.
1: We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailbarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
6: Some kinds of kids in pro football. You give them one thing. I gave pro players something. to Chris always gave them more, too much more credit. When I got to the pros, I thought, well, I'm going to be really more, a more mature kid than I did in college. I'm not too sure that some of them.
2: Other way around because
6: they've been pampered. So, yeah, the other way around because of uh, their elevated success mm. and who they were. They've been had their butt kissed all their life, given every damn thing. You know what I mean? That uh-huh. just uh, it was distorted. So anyway. Uh, I I got along great with players and uh, and I enjoyed uh, the, the player relationship. I enjoyed college football because of that more. And obviously, uh, people out there stunned when I say what well, was easier. They asked me what well, was easier. I said, hell, pro football is easier. In college football, you only have 53 of them. In pro football, and you only you know they're all most of them married. They all make a half a million dollars a year. The 53rd guy on your squad. And uh, they're going to do what you tell them to do because they're making more money than they'll make the rest of their life. And, uh, you know, so, you know, you only see them from 7 o'clock in the morning to 6.30 in the afternoon. You don't deal with their personal problems, all their issues that they have, the eligibility, study hall, you know, dorm, you know, all that crap. You, you, I don't have them four or five years like you do in college. Three 365, 24-7. You know, pro football is different. You might not only have them a week before you put them on the waiver wire, you know. So it's a, it's a different game. Totally
2: different. Personal touch. Always had it. Always will. Barry Switzer at Barry underscore Switzer. Coach, what's a what's a good wine? And tell me where to get a good <laughs> wine this summer.
6: Well, I don't think you can get it in Nebraska. I, my wine, Switzer Family Vineyards. You can go to the website and uh, we it's Oakville, Napa Valley. It's a uh, great Cabernet Sauvignon. I've been uh, doing this with Old Stepmist my first year. Mm. Oh, 12 is going to be a great year for grapes in Napa Valley. So the next wine I come out with should be great order ordered. I don't know what the laws are in Nebraska, uh, by the ordering wine from Napa Valley, but, uh, some States you can, some you can't and they have some dumb, dumb, dumb ass rules. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you, uh, we, we started this a long time ago just for fun. My son-in-law and I, and, uh, and it's grown quite a bit and we have produced more cases every year and and, uh, we only sell it in Oklahoma, Arkansas, where I'm from, and uh, in the Texas and Dallas area. We hope to expand it to Houston and uh, San Antonio, but uh, uh, we just right now, we just don't produce enough wine. We sell out of it and uh, it goes into the shelves and uh, so uh, grocery stores in Texas and liquor stores and, and it's in all the top restaurants in Dallas and Oklahoma City and around this area. But it's not up there, but it's a good camp. And uh, someone in Nebraska tries it
2: sometime. We're going to get a hold of one. Coach Barry Switzer with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Coach, thank you so much for your time and your insight. I always love catching up, sir. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> thank Take you care. care. Barry Switzer, the uh, chat with him. Barry's got that, rhino, that wine of rocking, and I love that Kentucky Derby story. Best sport coat ever, man. It was some sort of pink. I can't explain, but I can't wear it like him, I'll tell you that. What do you got rocking this uh, Friday night, Elijah? Not much. I'm um, trying to recover. That that new workout plan's been kicking my tail a little okay. bit. Okay, so, like, how long does it take? What are you doing?
0: Uh, it's about two hours in the morning. So, uh, we've been doing cardio with some basketball after our workouts, and then we do a push day, a pull day, and a legs day, if that makes sense. So,
2: Well done. Yeah. We'll see you in the morning. Weekend edition back. Myself, Kranak, Elijah. And uh, we'll be ready to go seven tomorrow on Hail Bar City Weekend Edition, uh, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Have a safe Friday. Take care.